Hey everyone, Jawad here with Hit The Apex Podcast. Thanks for tuning in this week. How are we all doing? Hope everyone's well, keeping out of trouble, of course, with um, everything that's going on. You know, don't need to mention the C word. <laughs> well, we kind of have, you know, sometimes you have no choice if it's, you know, you're talking about something in particular that's impacted or whatever, you know. Sometimes I refer to it as a Sharona virus, you know, my Sharona, the song by the knack <laughs> when speaking with friends and stuff. But um, yeah, you know, hope everyone's well. Um, I'm well. I'm good. I'm good this week. You know, it's, it's been a pretty good this week. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, all things considered too, like with what's still going on and, uh, you know, it's just the situation here in Australia kind of getting worse as, you know, other states are starting to be impacted as well by the uh, by Sharona. So um, all I can say is do the right thing. You know, it's becoming a weekly PSA pretty much since March, talking about this thing. But um, yeah, just just do the right thing, stay out of trouble, um, and that's the best we can do at the moment. So yeah, follow the guidelines. But um, anyway, let's get stuck into it because. Boy, we've had so much racing over the last few weeks to to digest and talk about. And, you know, at at one point it actually got a bit overwhelming because, you know, if you're like me, you know, and you want to be involved in as much as you can and, you know, try and cover as much as you can as well, you know, whether if you're writing for a publication, website or whatever, or if you're a a content creator doing your own podcast or series or something, you want to be on top of everything, but it does get overwhelming to a certain degree as well. And I understand, you know, I don't feel obligated to have to, uh, sorry, what I meant to say is I don't, think you need to feel obligated that you've got to be on the ball every week you know certainly last week I felt you know it wasn't the greatest output by me even though I did cover a lot but you know it was just the way I was feeling you know and you know podcast usually is my way of um, you know just letting the you know not airing things as much but just having a bit of fun you know talking about things that I love and stuff but when there's negative stuff going around that, you know, and particularly with F1, you know, a lot of people's attitudes have changed just after a couple of races because of the quality of racing we've seen. We've got Mercedes domination again, and it's just, you know, and, you know, people want to be heard about that, and that's fine, you know, like, just let it out, but, you know, there's a point where, you know, too much negativity, you know, about it does get a bit overwhelming, and then you start to be like, well, what are we all doing here then? (laughs) Um, so it was nice last weekend to not have to worry about that, not have to worry about any other sports, except for MotoGP, which I'll talk about later on in the podcast. That was exciting as ever, and I think MotoGP is one of those sports that, you know, you don't really have to worry too much about the politics. I know sometimes it, it creeps into it a little bit, but it's just hard and pure racing, and just the personalities and the characters in there are just just another level you know and again I'm not trying to say MotoGP is better than F1 you know they're both apples and oranges and I tried in the past you know many years ago um, comparing the pair and um, saying one was better than the other to be absolutely destroyed by commenters and um, people alike so I kind of just keep them keep them separate you know enjoy each for what it is, you know, there is obviously things that one can take from the other to, to implement and see if it improves the the other product, but at the same time, you know, it seems that there's only a, 
a handful of fans who will watch both categories and there's a lot of people who don't like bike racing at all or motorcycles so you know we'll just leave it at that you know I don't need to go into the nitty-gritty of that but um, yeah just watching the MotoGP last week was nice was able to sit back watch a few movies haven't done that for a while on a weekend in particular Um, so yeah very very well and again this week we uh prepare for another triple header of f1 races (laughs) hence the triple delight as i say and it will be delightful um i hope (laughs) i you know i'll always find something fun about the weekend you know if someone's shenanigans will certainly make it entertaining and then yeah the live blog as always come the sunday but yeah starting off in silverstone the british grand prix and then you know first of two races in silverstone of course and my question to you guys, are we excited or are we all collectively groaning about what's to come? You know, obviously Mercedes have been pretty dominant here in the past. They've won the first three races this year too. Lewis Hamilton, imperious form, you know, whether it's at Silverstone or this year so far, we've seen him. So he's got six wins um, at Silverstone. He could make it eight, you know, before we head to the next um, venue being in um, Barcelona. If we do get there, of course, you know, that's another story. Um, So, yeah, and given his form at the moment, it's hard to look past him, really. And when you look at the championship as well, if Hamilton is able to win one of these next two races, which he should be able to win at least one of them, um, I don't see him not winning one of them at least, then you've got to start to question his teammate Valtteri Bottas's uh, championship credentials um, that's been a bit talking point coming out of Hungary and I brushed on it last week or gave it a bit of air last week and rather disappointingly because you know I want to see Bottas do well I want to see him get up there and you know he's in a he's in he's got the only opportunity you ever have as far as being a team that can win a championship in F1 and he was a driver that back in 2014 when he emerged with Williams um, and was able to getting get regular podiums finished you know fourth in the drivers championship as well that year i said you know this guy will be a world champion one day but you know little did we know he would be teammate to lewis hamilton as well so yeah this is going to be important weekend i think for bottas as far as his championship credentials are concerned um if he can't beat hamilton then you know at least he has to finish second he can't make the mistakes that he did in hungary but he will have to win one of these two races at Silverstone, whether, whether you know, I'm sure he wants to, <laughs> you can't say whether he wants to or not, but it's going to have to be this weekend or next to be able to keep himself in touch, and, you know, points-wise, Lewis isn't too far ahead, but it's just that momentum that Hamilton gathers once he takes the lead of the championship, and wins multiple races and all that sort of stuff associated with it so it's just about breaking that momentum I think and given that we've got a shortened season as well this year it's more crucial than ever to make every result count you know last year where you kind of questioned things about whether you can sustain a title challenge across 21 races that no one else seems to have that consistency that Lewis does at the moment well We've got only potentially 15 races this year. There's more races been added to the calendar, which I'll talk about at the end of this little bit. But, you know, we might only have 15, 16 races this year, which, you know, I didn't think would happen (laughs) actually a few months ago, given given, um, the situation. But now that we've got this many races, it's enough for a credible championship. But 
it's not as much as 21 or 22 races that we were going to have. So there's less time now for Bottas, because let's face it, Bottas is the only one who can challenge Hamilton for the championship this year. Um, Red Bull, they've uh, where do you where do you begin about Red Bull? You know, I always seem to find a way to rip into Red Bull, given how lofty their expectations seem to be, and this year was going to be that year that they were supposed to hit the ground running. You thought because of the COVID break as well that it affords them more time, you know, to to fine tune things. You know, they had a bit of a sketchy car in testing. It didn't really um, give too much away, but. That same car rolled out in Austria first two weekends and just didn't deliver. You know, we had, you know, I guess Albon got um, a bit lucky with Hamilton in the first race and then even in the um, second race, I think. Yeah, exactly. And Verstappen won podium and a DNF. It was just not ideal. And then on the podium again in Hungary, but just so far off the pace of the Mercedes. So you got to really question... What are they going to do this year? Will they be able to mount a challenge to even win races? You know, like, let's talk about Silverstone, for example. So they've been winless here in the hybrid era. Uh, Mercedes have pretty much won every race except for one, uh, which was back in 2018. Sebastian Vettel won that for Ferrari. And then pole position-wise, Mercedes have dominated as well the whole um, hybrid era here. So And Valtteri Bottas was on pole last year. So it's a big challenge. It's a circuit that you would think that suits the Red Bull car. I know we said that in Hungary, which is probably more of a Red Bull circuit than Silverstone, but, you know, the calendar, the way it's been tailored, was kind of suiting Red Bull and their design philosophies and how their car and Max Verstappen's form as well over the last few years. So it is really disappointing to see that, again, on the car side of things, that they're they're being let down and not, you know, we can't blame Honda or the power unit for this because they've been quite reliable so far this year. So, yeah, it's just more so the car stuff that is letting them down at the moment. And I said a lot of this during, you know, the final couple of years with Renault. I know Renault were unreliable, unreliable with their power units, but... I said, you know, Red Bull haven't been making as good as good a cars as they were before, you know, in the time they were dominating, um, 2010 to 2013. Just just not the same. You know, they've had great drivers, you know, race-winning drivers, Ricardo, now Verstappen, but for whatever reason, it's just, it's not all coming together. And in a shortened season, you'd think that, you know, they'd be able to have the impetus to do it, but it just doesn't seem to be working. But we'll see what steps they make if they do make any um, starting this weekend. So Alex Albon, some good news for him is that he's going to benefit from having um, Simon Rennie in his corner uh, as his new race engineer. So if you guys are not familiar with Simon Rennie, most famous, I guess, for uh, Abu Dhabi 2012, uh, got told by Kimi Raikkonen to leave me alone, I know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, making the switch the following year to Red Bull Racing, where he engineered Mark Webber for a year before becoming Daniel Ricciardo's race-winning engineer for the next few years. So, yeah, and then since then, he's since Ricciardo moved on, Rennie's been working out of the factory, I believe, uh, back at Milton Keynes. So he'll be coming back into the race team fold and engineering um, Albon, which, you know, uh, uh, you know, someone who's engineered a world champion as far as Kimi's concerned, going back to Ferrari, well, he didn't engineer Kimi to the championship, but he has engineered a world championship winning driver and then, you know, race winning drivers in Weber and in Ricardo too, it should be able to help Albon, you would hope, um, 
I do think, as I said last week, the pressure on Albon is a little bit, you know, unnecessary given that Red Bull haven't really delivered on their end either with a good car. So, you know, they're just going to have to work with both drivers um, to be able to get a get a result because, yeah, the Constructors' Championship is pretty important and if, you know, they can't just clone Max Verstappen and put him in the second car, that would be pretty frightening, actually, to Verstappen's. I mean, imagine if they were on track together, you know, they'd basically crash into each other, I reckon. <laughs> I've just got this weird image in my head, you know, every time... <laughs> <laughs> Every time, you know, one of us, um, me and my mates, we talk about cloning each other, we're like, okay, A, we'd probably hate the other one, you know, because you can't, some people can't stand themselves, so how would you stand a carbon copy? Two, you know, they'd probably just argue with each other, and, well, it's the same thing, they just couldn't stand each other, so they'd do whatever they can to basically take them out, so that is, that's probably what would happen if you had um, a clone of Max Verstappen racing Max Verstappen on the track there for Red Bull, so uh, I don't know why that makes me laugh so much, but hey, I'll take it. Um, so yeah, we'll leave it at that. Moving on to Ferrari though, and a bit of a concern this week coming out um, in the news from their CEO, John Elkin, who basically has come out and said, don't expect any wins till 2022 or don't expect them to be competitive until 2022. So it's it's a bitter pill to swallow if you're a Ferrari fan. Like I, could, I couldn't care the less, you know, I couldn't care any less about that, but um for the championship and the prestige and everything but then this is also part of the problem that there's always this expectation on Ferrari to win you know and that's you know in their culture and their DNA and that's perhaps what might not be working for them at the moment so perhaps taking a more laid-back approach and not being as intense about it you know and focusing instead on you know let's set this this year in mind, we're going to put our resources into that. It can either go one or two ways. It'll either go really well for them, like it did Mercedes in twenty twenty, uh, sorry twenty fourteen, or it could go horribly wrong. Who knows? But it's it's I guess a big concern given that you've got a new driver coming into the team next year, Carlos Sainz. Um, whether it's what he signed up for, uh, does he want to step into a team that is? pretty much I guess on par with McLaren at the moment given that McLaren are in a rebuilding phase and they are actually showing the results in by comparison to Ferrari who this year have kind of dropped back into that midfield it's it's very puzzling you know and then for for someone like Ricardo who was mentioned to perhaps go to Ferrari next year it's probably a good move that he didn't because Ferrari perhaps seems like a, a long-term rebuild where, you know, someone in his shoes probably wants something a bit sooner, um, given his age and everything, but for science, maybe the long-term thing would be good, so, yeah, it's 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 hard to, you know, I don't know which way to take it, but, you know, you want to see, basically, I want to see someone challenging Mercedes, and for the last few years, it was Ferrari, um, they just couldn't get it done for multiple reasons discussed on previous episodes of this podcast for the last three years so who's it going to be then you know Red Bull haven't stepped up and your other teams basically are still too far away I mean I don't think Racing Point's going to be able to challenge Mercedes for the championship certainly not at the moment you know that 
perhaps might come in 2022 as well. So it really is just a holding pattern that we're that we're all waiting in. Um, but good news, I guess, as far as you know, the drivers are concerned for Ferrari. You know, they've secured them long term. Leclerc, their number one. You know, we'll see how science goes. Elkin also said that they're going to have their drivers move to Maranello as well. So, you know, basically like, you know, you see Lando Norris and Science at the moment close to Woking for McLaren and really had a, a hand at the car that they made this year and all the feedback and being so close to the factory, that was really important for, for how they rolled out this year. So perhaps that'll work for Ferrari and you'd want them to. I mean, everyone wants to see Ferrari do well, whether you're not a fan or you're a fan or not, but... There's got to be realistic expectations too. You look at how much money they're spending, you would expect with that investment, you know, with those resources that they would be still the number one team, but just they're not, you know, just the culture is not what a modern Formula One team, a successful modern Formula One team needs. So, yeah. And as far as predicting what's going to happen with them this weekend, I don't know. You know, you can't really... I mean, it can rule out a podium. I mean, it's going to be dry. There's not going to be any rain involved either. So, barring any sort of madness happening, I don't think we will see them on the podium this weekend. So, they'll probably be racing for, you know, fourth, fire, fifth, or sixth. You know, help them if they're all the way down in, you know, bottom of the points or finishing outside the points like Leclerc did back in Hungary. But um, that was, you know, because they botched the strategy with the um, switch over to slick tyres. I mean, when have they not botched the strategy? (laughs) It does give me a bit of a giggle, though. I do take a little bit of pleasure in seeing Ferrari struggle. But, um, yeah, you know, other people may not feel that way. (laughs) And the reason I do is because of how... What do you call... What's the word I'm looking for? I'm not going to say braggy, but, you know, how... How, you know, they come out and be like, oh, you know, we're the world, you know, we're the best, blah, blah, blah. It's a Ferrari, <laughs> like in, in the movie Rush. It's a Ferrari. But um, it's just like, no, I don't think being Ferrari exempts you from everything that's going on you know the world doesn't stop for ferrari you know ferrari's got to catch up to the world and you know thing is formula one doesn't need ferrari but ferrari needs formula one it's the only way they make money you know obviously they you know make money selling cars but not as much as they do with the um, exposure that they get from formula one so yeah and that's the only like top flight or triple a whatever you want to call it motorsport that they're in and then you look below then when you look below, that's where they've got GT3 programs and, you know, that sort of stuff. So that's, you know, way off F1 still. So, yeah. Speaking, though, of a team on the rise, McLaren, you know, just sucking up the sponsors, getting more um, stickers on that car. And, you know, what a sticker to get in Gulf Oil, you know, an iconic brand in itself. And if you look back to the 90s and, you know, McLaren at Le Mans, those days, you know, the McLaren F1 car that they had not formula one car but the mclaren f1 gt car that they had with the uh gulf oil livery on it boy what an iconic livery so anything with the gulf gulf colors is iconic so gulf basically coming in on a um on a multi-year deal taking over as their oils partner from petrobras of course i think they uh, exited last year but i'm just salivating at all these concept liveries i'm seeing for mclaren because basically they share similar colors you know orange and blue but i like 
the pastel-y blue of the the golf colors so you know combine that with you know papaya orange on the mclaren i think if they have the presence to be able to do like influence delivery for next year i would love to see it and there's been some awesome awesome concept liveries that i've seen over social media and reddit um over the last couple of days since this deal was announced so looking forward to that and kudos again to zach brown because he's the man who makes this stuff happen i mean someone posted and i thought about it too um, the other day that you know compare the 2014 mclaren car to the car today you know 2014 2015 basically very little sponsors i think 15 was worse you know sponsorship wise they had like no sponsorship on that car just really really few brands and you know even just the brand mclaren brand itself has become cool again you know some people just found mclaren too boring too corporate you know too too stiff i guess is better word to use like i mean ultimate respect for me to ron dennis and for what he and what he did um for mclaren back in the 80s resurrecting them and then the success that they had in the 90s with mika hakkinen too but yeah you know just it, it had to happen they had to grow out of it and you know it's just so cool to see them be a cool brand again i think the only person that i know and i kind of uh, you know the only person i know and you know respect um who doesn't like <laughs> the mclaren being orange and colorful and everything is is probably my tattoo artist he prefers you know the silver cars <laughs> um with a vodafone branding and everything but you know that's <laughs> that's how he liked them so you know can't complain but um yeah looking good and good as well to see lando norris come out and say that he's not letting things get ahead of him especially after the start to the season that they've had podium in austria you know sitting well fourth in the championship at the moment mclaren third in the constructors so you know they're going to have to keep performing and getting those results which you know i guess there was a bit of a hiccup in hungary which they expected and then racing point were able to score points with both cars too but I still feel that the McLarens have the better race drivers when it comes to Sunday than than Racing Point. So, and Racing Point, I guess, you know, home race for them, being based at Silverstone, potential for the podium, but like Hungary, it's all going to come down to execution. And in Hungary, we didn't see that better race execution. Stroll ended up fourth, Perez down in the points as well. So would love to see them, you know, be able to fine-tune and execute their races a bit better from a driver perspective as well to be able to get those maximum results because otherwise then you're going to have someone like McLaren knocking on their door all year to get that fourth place in the constructors again when you know Racing Point obviously have the faster car and they're going to want to have to um, and they're going to want to walk out of this year with that fourth firmly in their bag otherwise all this controversy about you know them copying last year's Mercedes car and all that protest jazz would have been for nothing and we'll be all having a good laugh about it next year so that's you know that's how i see things panning out for them so you know you can probably put them on the podium who knows red bull will be up there as well um below them all you know alpha towery props to them because they picked up points in the first few races when you know probably they shouldn't have um and that's been really crucial especially fighting likes of Haas and Alfa Romeo Haas you know walked away with a one point after Hungary 
because of the penalty to Kevin Magnuson, which I don't have to go over again this time, so <laughs> otherwise we'll be debating and ranting about that again. But yeah, he was able to get at least get a point, which was crucial. Um, Renault unreliability again, you know, that's got to something's got to be done about that. Otherwise, they're going to keep getting disappointing results. You know, they have the potential in both their cars to finish in the points, but we haven't seen it so far this season because either one car's dropped out, one car's, you know, lagging outside of the points. So, you know, again, they're going to have to... It just comes down to that execution and, you know, reliability as well as a big, big thing for them. George Russell, though, home race. You know, second time he's done a home race at Silverstone. He'll also get a third opportunity, too, the week after. Um, On home soil... You could expect him to do well, but perhaps humbled by, you know, certain conditions, being dry conditions and everything, you know, don't expect him to finish in the points, but at least expect a competitive race. We'd hope to see that too, um, get ahead of maybe the Alfa Romeos and the Haas cars if they're no, not going to have the race pace for this weekend. Um and then just maybe rely on a bit of attrition because, you know, a bit of attrition always helps these guys. Again, I'll repeat that there's no rain forecast this weekend too, so don't um, get too excited about seeing a repeat of what happened um, in Hungary or the German Grand Prix last year. No, that's not going to happen, but we do see incidents at Silverstone happen and, you know, Roman Grosjean, I guess, has uh, had his fair share over the last couple of years and some big shunts too, which thankfully he's been okay from, but, um, yeah, we've seen a few safe cars come out over the last couple of years as well so don't rule that out and yeah I guess ultimately difficult to see anyone other than Mercedes taking the win and you know final verdict is that Bottas needs to pull a good result out of the bag this weekend otherwise you know we might be sitting here this time next week saying his championship is over even though we're only four races into the year um where are we now? Calendar. Calendar, calendar, calendar. Exciting to see a couple of old faces return to the, the schedule for this year and a new face as well. So three races added um, from October 11. We're going to the Nürburgring, the Eiffel Grand Prix. They won't call it the German Grand Prix, which is a bit weird, but um, possibly if, you know, Hockenheim ends up being on the calendar later in the year, maybe because of that. So going back to the Nürburgring GP circuit, God, I still remember 2013, the race there, Kimi Raikkonen right on Sebastian Vettel for the last, you know, few laps, and, you know, Seb basically held Kimi off and uh, won that race on home soil, but what an epic race it was, um, so, yeah, looking forward to going back to the Nürburgring, then we're going to Portimao, you know, the Algarve circuit in Portugal, so the first time for ever we've had a Portuguese Grand Prix, not at the classic Estoril circuit, sadly, but Portimao, if anyone's driven it um, in a simulator or a racing game, you know, it's it's freaking awesome, I love it, <laughs> and I've been racing a lot of the GT3 cars there um, on project cars too, so going to have to brush up on it a little bit more to, to get, a, get ready for the race there on October 25th, and then Imola, you know, one that hasn't been on the calendar since 2006, so... That's going to be there November 1st, which means we've got three races, three races in Italy this year. So good on the good on the Italians for making this um, happen. And, um, you know, we had the news that they'll still be behind closed doors at Monza. But, you know, perhaps maybe later on they might think about getting fans in, especially for Imola. But 
if not, you know, just it'd be good to see it on the TV. So I'm really excited to go there. I'm going to be playing those tracks, you know, on the on the games just to, to be able to get up to speed again. You know, I do play a bit of Magello anyway, so on Forza Motorsport, so pretty pretty well versed in that. But yeah, likes of Nürburgring, Portugal, Imola, um, which has meant as well that um, they've confirmed that F1's not going to be going to the Americas this year. And, you know, I've been saying that for the last few weeks i really doubt that that's going to happen it's made brazil really unhappy though um and i don't understand why they're not happy i think they're just blowing things out of proportion you know given the situation there at the moment and i'm not gonna go into the politics of it and talk about certain leaders over there you know as much as i'd love to but it's just yeah you can't see the teams voted against going there. You know, there was, you know, apparently there was a unanimous vote against going to specifically Brazil this year. So we'll just leave it at that. You know, it's not like F1's not going to go back there next year unless you know something happens or you know apparently F1's trying to pull out of Brazil and everything. But you know, Brazil is pretty important as far as viewership is concerned. So I'd be disappointed if the Brazilian Grand Prix did drop off completely. But hopefully that doesn't happen and I doubt that it will so yeah and while we're talking about games you know I've been mentioning games quite a bit or not really but yeah let's do something called hit the gamepad a new little segment I don't know probably never use it again um because I've been playing F1 2020 and I've wanted to talk about it for the last couple of weeks but you know we've had pretty loaded podcasts so I haven't been able to um do much well as far as discuss it and everything and share my thoughts on it so i've had it since launch enjoying it you know especially the my team mode it's been a welcome addition to the franchise given that you know every year i buy it basically for career mode and time trials i'm not really into the multiplayer side of things because i'm just i'm not a sim racer you know like i'll, I'll be honest with you you know this is why it's called hit the gamepad because i use a humble controller you know i just you know don't really want to invest or, I, well, you know, let's be clear, I'm not cashed up, you know, enough to be able to invest in a in a rig like, you know, other people have, steering wheels and um, uh, the, the seats or stands and stuff like that, you know, the cheapest setup that I looked at, you know, to possibly get with a proper force feedback wheel was like $700, so, you know, and $700 is not something I've got sitting in my wallet, um, easily anyway so yeah you know while we're all due to get a pay cut in september from the government anyway um for the people who are still working on on job keeper <laughs> yeah seven seven hundred dollars is going to be a luxury for me so yeah unfortunately that's not that's not my thing at the moment maybe later on down the track i'll look at it but um doesn't matter because the handling model that they've got in this game has probably been the best I've seen in a Cody's F1 game. Um, and I've played them all, you know, I've had them... I didn't get 2009 on Wii, even though I do have a Wii. It's gathering dust somewhere at the bowels of my place. But um, <laughs> I've had, you know, 2010 through to 2014 on Steam when I used to, to play on the, uh, the old gaming laptop. But then from 2015 onwards, um, since they had them coming out on the next-gen consoles, the Xbox One and the PS4, I almost said PS3, um, PS4, or I almost said PS3 and PS5, <laughs> forgot the one in between, so stupid. Um, yeah, I've had 2015 onwards on Xbox One, so, you know, and this is probably the most prettiest looking as well. I would love to see it when um, the Xbox One 
sorry, the Xbox Series X comes out, you know, if it'll be optimized for that um, later this year. Uh, HDR, 4K graphics look really cool, you know, still not at the same levels as, you know, Gran Turismo or Forza, but, you know, it's it's the best I've seen. The handling model's so good, you know, it's the steering on the pad more responsive this year, I reckon, you know, it's not oversteering like previous games where, you know, you just put a little bit too much input and you'd be punished with oversteers, or not even too much input, you know, you just kind of just slowly move the, the thumbstick across, and you just oversteer going through certain corners, you know, you hit a bump, and it's just like, bleh, or whatever, so, you know, that's great that it's a bit more responsive, it's a bit more finely tuned for, for people who play on the controller, I don't play with, um, you know, the the beginner settings or whatever, I do want the simulation feel through the controller, you know, the haptic feedback and all that, you know, I'm just throwing big words out there to sound important, and like I know what I'm saying, I actually do want to know what I'm saying, but you know, I just wanted to throw it out there, and also the what they've done with the ERS, you know, I wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't not like the previous system, but this system is definitely a lot more easier, it's better integrated, where it's just one button that you need to push, and you actually feel it a lot more, <coughs> sorry, not a COVID cough, not a COVID cough, <laughs> um, you actually feel it a lot more now too, so when you press the button, whatever button you've allocated on your um, setup, you actually feel that boost from it when you put your foot down, so I think that as well is a really good thing, but just, you know, my team, so fun, you know, create your own team, all the different areas you've got to look look after, you know, manage the team's income, how you spend your sponsorship money, you know, I would love to be able to get a second driver <laughs> at the moment who can score some points and maybe get on the podium, so I've got my eyes on Daniel Ricciardo for an Aussie, all Aussie super team, um, my team's called Dystopia Racing, you know, it's, um, <laughs> it's a very dark and, you know, future dystopia kind of thing it's all inspired from you know my character on f1 since 2010 has been inspired by <laughs> uh, something to do with blade runner the movie um so you know it's always been related to that and you know i thought you know what could be a good name for for a team and i tried doing blade runner team you know blade runner gp but yeah, apparently it's got some offensive word in it that wouldn't allow to be allowed to be registered so i'm like okay well you know, dystopia racing sounds cool, you know, the dystopias are going past, you know, they're Honda powered, they've got like a blue, black and purple livery as well, so yeah, it's going pretty good, I did post a screenshot yesterday on Twitter for the black Mercedes that they put into the game, I was excited to see that, and they're working on the, um, the McLaren as well, which I'll be keen to drive once uh, they get um, the the fresh new livery on there too. So, enjoying that, you know, I got my hands on a set of Corsa, a set of Corsa, a set of Corsa, a set of Corsa Competizioni. God, how how did it take me several goes to to say that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, ACC, let's just call it for the sake of it. I guess not being a sim racer and everything hasn't stopped me from trying ACC, like I know people play that with the wheel and everything, but you know, I'm playing it on a controller, it's definitely a different challenge, you know, I think 
my one kind of gripe about the game at the moment is just the the frame drops that you get because they haven't locked the frame rate so it's more of a visual and mechanical thing rather than you know um you know gameplay itself you know the cars handle beautifully i love the sound as well with gt3 cars it's very raw you know the circuits the fidelity in the circuits are great you know i'm loving driving tracks like kialami which i haven't done before um you know san marino oh sorry yeah <laughs> san marino what's san marino could be imola for all we know um not imola um Mizano, you know, which I've only raced in in the MotoGP series, so having that as well is really exciting in a car, so, and yeah, you know, the cars that I see at the Bathurst 12-hour, or the ones that I saw last year, you know, the GT3 cars for the Intercontinental GT Challenge, with all their liveries and everything, it's it's so cool, so, you know, if you if you like your GT3 cars and you like a good racing game, give, give your ACC a go, I think, um, you'll have a bit of fun with it, so, yeah, apart from the frame drops, which they are working on correcting, so we'll, uh, we'll be a bit more forgiving, we'll be a bit forgiving, we'll be a bit more forgiving, that's it, and finally, let's kind of wrap things up with MotoGP, um, left it till the end, (laughs) yeah, great race, and just the heat, I guess the heat and Hareth punished, 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 punished everyone, punished what an idiot <laughs> um the heat in hareth punished everyone um it was it was a tough race race of attrition though fabio quattararo went back to back which i just can't believe still because this is a guy who last year we were like oh just in agony every time he missed out on winning a race and he's come out won the first two um mark marquez unfortunately didn't end up racing he did contest the um practice sessions but basically succumbed to the pain from that operated right arm and um, you could see how badly swollen that arm was when he pulled his leathers off it just looked like a balloon you know so he was in no shape to be racing or even on a bike that weekend so we do wish him all the best for his recovery if he'll be back in time for the Czech Grand Prix next weekend remains to be seen but you know we still can't rule him out of the championship unless he's out for pretty much half the season then you know he won't be able to get the points he needs to win, but um, while Marquez couldn't race, saw Herculean efforts from Alex Rins and Cal Crutchlow, who also injured, uh, who also got injured, injured the week before for the Spanish Grand Prix. They raced here the Andalusian Grand Prix and got tenth and thirteenth respectively, um, and in the points. So good results for them. And I guess that all comes from the the attrition that we had because we had so many riders just not finish. You know, we had. Um, mechanical failures, technical failures, you know, and heartbreaks for Peko Bagnaia and Franco Morbidelli, um, both possibly on for their first podiums in MotoGP, you know, they certainly looked quicker than um, the two Yamahas, the two factory Yamahas in um, Valentino Rossi and Maverick Vinales, who ended up finishing on the podium, yes, Valentino on the podium, first time in 18 months, I was so happy, one of my other mates as well, we were just like, rah! And given that he's an Italian as well, and has actually, well, he almost his story is that he almost got run over by Valentino Rossi at the Monza Rally one year. <laughs> I still need to watch the video. He's trying to dig up the video of that. I would love to see it, but um, 
yeah, imagine that, you know, telling that story to someone, you know, almost got run down by Valentino in his Ford Fiesta at the Monza Rally or whatever, you know, that's so cool. Um, so Rossi on the podium for the first time since the Austin Grand Prix last year, I was so excited, you know, made good start to the week, you know, made my Monday all the more better, you know, wearing my um, my Rossi monster cap again, the one that you can see in the, um, in the Twitter uh, background or header photo that I've got um so yeah and Vinales finishing third you know bit of a bit of sour race for Vinales because he was really the only one who could challenge Quattararo for the win but unfortunately he dropped behind Rossi in the start and then basically got stuck there he just physically couldn't breathe behind him you know the hot air coming off the bike ahead you know just made it really difficult for Maverick to breathe that was what he said after the race Track and track temperatures of over 60 degrees Celsius, so you can imagine it was roasting out there. I'm surprised they weren't, you know, having a bacon and egg um, breakfast there. It was 2 o'clock in the afternoon, so but nothing wrong with it. I had that for dinner the other day, actually, believe it or not. So, you know, you can have, you can have breakfast for dinner if you want. You can do whatever. I don't care. <laughs> so, yeah, basically... Um, apart from my egg breakfast for dinner. <laughs> um, great result for the Yamahas, but a lot of concern still too, given that Morbidelli with his engine failure, they're going to have to look at that because Yamaha engines are known to be unreliable, so there's going to be a bit of an investigation into that while they celebrate um, a Yamaha 123. Then the other guys that basically fell out of the race too, you know, Danilo Petrucci on the Ducati, Jack Miller on the Primac Ducati, uh, Brad Binder on for, you know, he had his, I think, career-best qualifying too. He's been doing really well on the KTM, given that it's only his second race this year. And also Alicia Spargaro as well, strength to strength on that Aprilia. So they all crashed out. Um, they were all expecting good results too this weekend, so just disappointing that they couldn't get it done. But we're seeing a lot more competitive bikes this year. You know, we always see it, but, you know, just seeing some good names up there, you know, would have been great for Morbidelli and Bagnaia too given that they're also members of the uh, VR46 Academy as well, and it was good again to see some of those riders on the podium in the lower classes, Moto3 and Moto2, and you know, probably blooper moment of the year so far, in, across everything I reckon, is um, two of Valentino's riders, you know, Marco Bezzecchi and Luca Marini, who's actually Rossi's half-brother, um, in Moto2, they crashed into each other on the cooldown lap, actually. They finished on the podium and they were celebrating. They were going to shake hands, but they both fell off their bikes. And Rossi saying post race he was giving him a bit of a giving him a bit of a hiding post race, like, what the hell was going on, guys? Uh, Rossi would be like, Hey, what the hell are you doing, guys? It is not very good. Uh, that I can save for I could save that for another night the um the Rossi impersonation but it was it was good fun and it's good to see a smile on the doctor's face again and um his little his little uh, entourage his family you know with the with the VR forty six riders it's so good to see you know that he's got that academy and he can bring through this young talent and you know his his young you know his younger brother in Luca Marini as well um doing well in Moto two and you know probably your title favorite you got to say like i would certainly love to see marini um win the championship you know another generation of uh rossi even though he's not you know he doesn't have the rossi surname but um he <laughs> what do you call it you know they share the same mother so yeah like you know 
still part of the family, I guess. He looks, you know, facially, he does look, you know, he's got that resemblance to Rossi, you know, that kind of... Um, You'd have to look at their faces to to be able to make up your mind, but yeah, they do they do look very similar. So, yeah, you know, it was a it was a nice way to end the weekend last week, and you know, start off what's been a really good week. And I hope we can continue that heading into the weekend. Um, I hope everyone stays safe. You know, you guys keep doing what you're doing, looking after yourselves, um, and enjoy a weekend of F1. You know, British Grand Prix, everyone loves it. <laughs> and we'll be, uh, we'll be back next week, um, same time, hopefully, to wrap up the first race at Silverstone, look ahead to the next one, supercars as well next week. It's all happening. MotoGP again, it's a triple header weekend. There's a lot of you know, triple delight everywhere. But for now, I guess that's it. So thanks, guys, for tuning in. Remember, we're on Twitter. Hit the Apex Media. Get in touch if you want. Otherwise, if not, cool. (laughs) I'm cool with it. (laughs) Anyway, catch you guys. Have a good weekend. And we'll see you guys next time.